Welcome into a quick timeout podcast. I'm your host, Coach Tony Miller, and I am excited today to welcome to the show North Carolina Tar Heel legend, former NBA All-Star, and current Vanderbilt Commodores head coach, Jerry Stackhouse. Coach, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you having me, Coach. Thank you. Do you remember your first NCAA tournament game? Uh, do I remember the first one? I don't know. <laughs> Liberty was the first. Is Liberty. What, I, what yeah, I had. Yeah. I wanted to talk about this, too. I've got you down for that whole season at 12.2 points per game, five rebounds, a half a block. For freshmen, really solid numbers. I, I don't want to undersell you here. I mean, you, you were the ACC tournament MVP that year. But then your sophomore year, I've got you 19 points per game, 8.2 rebounds, 1.7 blocks per game. And you're the national player of the year and you lead the Tar Heels to the final four. You know, we're heading into the offseason right now. And so I, I wanted to talk about postseason evaluations and kind of setting our players and our programs up for future success. I'm going to assume that your jump from the freshman to sophomore year wasn't just like, well, I got in the gym, you know, I did some workouts and uh, played pickup ball a few times, right? Yeah, I mean, you got to think about that team that I was on that, that freshman year, even though uh, you, know, you see the big jump, it was because we were a super talented team. We had a team yeah. that, you know, that, that first group was, you know, national champions. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, they were just coming off winning a national championship. They lost, you know, George Lunch off of that team. But for the most part, that team was still intact. And um, so we were we were just fighting and clawing for, for any minutes that we could get, you know. And, I, you know, obviously I felt like our – uh, I wanted wanted more, but but we understood that uh, man, we we were a super deep team and just kind of try to play your minutes as hard as you can. And and then as the season went on and we got into the, the tournament, your minutes started to increase a little bit more. But it was kind of a a balanced attack with our upperclassmen who had had tremendous success and a talented group of uh, you know freshmen that was coming in and trying to trying to make our mark as well. Did you all do postseason evaluations with Coach Smith? Did he do anything like that? Yeah, I think, you know, those uh, we had coach door was always open. I mean, I was going in there when I was, a you know, crazy freshman, 18, uh, you know, 18 years old, complaining about my minutes as anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I vividly remember Coach Smith just basically telling me, man, just, you know, you and Brian Reese need to try to be the best small forward in the country. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I, I think I may have been, again, immature and told him I feel like I could be the best you know small forward in the country by myself (laughs) (laughs) so I know he's probably like man this kid is crazy so but it's just you know again just that that youth that vigor of wanting to you know feel like you can do it and do more and but it was just about competition and competing and I think coach loved that about me I wanted to compete and when when it came down to um, the ACC tournament because I mean it was an up and down season Mm -hmm. for me that year it was like you know, freshman, you know, the minutes were fluctuate. Sometimes I, you know, have good minutes and sometimes I didn't. So it was like, um, you know, every, every, every week I'm, you know, I'm transferring. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm like, <laughs> nothing's changed, man. As much as things change, they stay the same. And it was like, I was, I was just grown not happy about the time that I was getting and this and that and the other. But I, like I said, I, t- I, I tell this story all the time. My mom, she, you know, she let me vent and everything. And, like, okay, all right, all right, let me tell why this wasn't going my way or whatever. She's like, you know what? If you start running now, you're going to be running the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And and that was something that just really stuck with me, man. And I, you know, I just kept grinding at it. And next thing you know, I mean, I think a week or two later, I'm I'm the most, you know, valuable player of the ACC tournament. 
you know, so I mean, I guess the, the moral of the story is make sure you listen to your mama. You know, what I'm saying? You know they, <laughs> they they know a little bit more than than us as, as as young, eighteen years old. But but I think just after, you know, we had a you know, a good you know run, you know, through the eight ACC tournament, and then we like you said played Liberty, and then we uh, Boston College, and and they had Bill Curley and Howard Isley and you know but uh, Huckabee. They had a really good team that that knocked us off. You know, what I'm saying took us to the wire. They made some big shots and some big plays. Um, we had a shot at the end to, to win it, but uh, we lost it. And I, I remember, you know, we never did post-game interviews, you know, really. I mean, it was always the upperclassmen did it. But when we lost that game, Coach Smith sent me and, <laughs> and Donald Williams up there on the podium. It was like, why, why are we going up here now when, when, when we lose them? But it, when we lost it in the NCAA tournament, but I just I, I think he really wanted us to see our faces and see that disappointment and, um, you know, and then kind of add motivation for that next year. And, you know, that next year we, you know, had, had to run all the way to the final four. But mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that's after the season to talk about, you know, things that you, you know, you can work on and get better at, you know, not take too much time off. I mean, I, I just remember vividly, that's just going right back in and playing. You know, mm-hmm. right? We didn't really like, all right, we're going to take 10 days off for everybody, man. It's over. Let's, you know, a few days later, we're back in the gym. I was nursing the, a hamstring. I mean, I got need in the hamstring in the in the championship game. Hmm. Um, so I was pretty much on one leg in the championship game. But you know, once the, that thing healed up, we we was back at it. You know, on our march to try to um, try to avenge that that early loss. And then you said, you know, that next year Final Four, and then the season <laughs> ends then, and you make the decision to go to the NBA. Like, what type of evaluations was that? Just something that you you felt, or was that something that you talked with Coach? Myth about and or what, what was that like? The model to me was Michael Jordan. You know his, his path through North Carolina. You know what I'm saying I mean he left as a junior, so I thought it probably at the earliest I would leave at a junior if I didn't stay all four years. And then it's just you know the way that we played and you know we were on you know all these mock drafts and different things about possibly get drafted here and possibly be the number one draft. So you I mean you got it number one pick in the draft, so you have to kind of listen to it and and I think coach Smith you know he was great like he he went and got the the information for me I didn't have to really I mean he called he knew all of those you know those general managers and um you know they trusted and respected him so the the top five uh, teams in the draft I think was it was Golden State the Clippers Philadelphia Washington and Minnesota had the fifth pick and I think when coach talked to Kevin McHale who was the general manager he was like if if Stackhouse is there at five, I'm taking him. So it was like I didn't work out for anybody past five because I knew um, that. And I just think once I got that information, then Coach told me. I mean, I had a decision to make, and you know, and, and a lot went into it. I mean, as you know, not just the basketball side of it. My mom, who um, you know, who was older, was having some 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 health issues, dealing you know with some breast cancer and different things. That I just felt like me maybe taking this step now would, would do a lot for my family. You know what I'm saying? So I. I chose to, to to leave. Coach was very supportive. Him and my mom, you know what I'm saying? They made me promise that I would, you know, come back and, you know, and finish up school. And, you know, that was like that was that was the, the deal that I had to make. And, I, you know, I'm so glad that I did that. I mean, it, it afforded me so many more opportunities after basketball was over to, to, to actually be doing what I'm doing now. But it was, you know, it was a lot of decisions that had to be made, you know, and, but I, I swear I didn't I didn't feel like it would, would, was going to happen as fast as it did. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. 
With Assist, you'll get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just a box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats, like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com assist. That's huddle.com assist to find out more. Support for a quick timeout podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. College and professional teams from around the country rely on Dr. Dish shooting machines to help improve their players' development. Whether it's in the gym or at home in your driveway, Dr. Dish will improve your basketball workouts. To find out more about how Dr. Dish can help your program, visit drdishbasketball.com. Did you feel like once you got to the NBA and after each season or maybe even after that like that first year, that rookie year, were there things that you intentionally worked on? Like, I, I need to get better at this or I need to get better at this. Or was that something that was told told to you by your your coaches? It was a challenge, really. I mean, I was just getting on sheer talent and, and competitiveness. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I was getting by on, you know, the early on. Because I, I played the power forward. I mean, a lot of people, I was, I was I was a four man in North Carolina before I got drafted to Philadelphia as a shooting guard, right? So it's just <laughs> I've never played uh, shooting guard in my life. I never chased off screens like that. Yeah, you know, as a you know small forward, maybe you come off a screen a little bit, but just guys that you know Reggie Miller and the type of guys that I had to Mitch Richmond and all these guys coming off screens that I never really dealt with before. I mean, I remember getting killed like in a, a pickup game early when I first got drafted in Philadelphia. I think it was. <laughs> It was like some of the Temple guys, like Eddie Jones and Mark Macon, all those guys was was in the gym, and man, I was running into screens left and right. I was like, man, I, so, you know, this, something has to change there. Fortunately, when I finally got with the Sixers and we kind of had our team, Vernon Maxwell pulled me to the side. He's like, yeah, come here, man. I got I got to show you something. Like, you know, you got you got to put your hand on his hip right here, and you got you got to get on on his outside hip. As soon as he come off that screen, you got to nudge him just a little bit. That give you time to catch back up. Man, that was the best tip I ever got in my life, you know. So now I can use my physicality to control these shooters from coming off and, and getting separation from me, man. So it's just, again, it was it was on-the-job learning, man. I, I, I learned my way to becoming an all-star shooting guard because I was, like I said, I, I literally played um, the four in, you know, in, in high school and in college. I wasn't going to ask this, but you kind of brought it up. Can you give me your like welcome to the NBA story? Yeah, probably my welcome to the NBA story probably was was Mitch Richmond in, in Golden State. Uh, I mean, I mean, no, no, it wasn't Mitch Richmond. It was Latrell Sprewell. Latrell Sprewell was uh, man. He put me in the ball screens again. That's another, another thing. I hadn't been dealing with any ball screens. I was yeah. getting cracked on every screen. <laughs> you know, I, I you know, so that whole summer, that's what I was working on, trying to get my leg over on ball screens, getting my body, getting smaller, and doing. So it was like it was just every time he came off, he was just pulling up, and there was nothing I was, I could do. I mean, if I went under, he stopped behind and was hit three. It was, it was his night. So that was probably my my welcome to the NBA moment. But yeah, I got him back. <laughs> Whether it's like a coach listening to this or a player listening to this, they're going to already recognize your name, and they they're already going to know who you are. But the reason why you're so great is because like you're self aware and you. 
I have a lot of players come to me. I don't know if you you experience this, but like I have players come to me and they're like, Coach, what should I be working on? And sometimes I feel like you know what you should be working on. If you're if you're yeah. facing something that you're struggling on repeatedly, like you should get better at it. And that's where I want to turn this conversation because fast forward to now, you're on the other side of the table now and you're talking to the players and you're having the exit meetings and you're trying to prepare them for the next year. Do you have exit meetings with your players? I'm assuming you do. I do. I mean, I met with every one of our guys after after the season. A few days to just calm, you know, you know, away from everything, just to, to calm down of the season, and then you know we get right back into it. I think that we finished up on Friday, and I think that following Monday we were uh, we were having our meetings. How detailed do you get with those? Well, I try to keep them kind of, you know, kind of brief. It depends, you know, you know, different layers to different guys. There's different guys that's considering possibly, you know, entering the NBA draft. There's different guys who are more, you know, in, in, in you know, project modes of, of, of really development. Um, so I think it's di- different conversations with them. And then you're doing all that, you know, this particular year in the middle of a COVID season. So it's like, you know, so much thrown at everybody. It's like, you know, what can you really hold them accountable for, you know, for, for kind of their setbacks or different things that they had during the year, their ups and downs. And, but, but I think for me, it's just like, I think you, you said it, a key, key thing just a second ago that guys are awareness. I mean, you, you should know what you, mm-hmm. what you need to work on. And we watch film of every game, every minute of every game, even the last, you know, could be the last, two minutes of a game we're still going to watch those film because there's guys that maybe didn't get into the end of the game for whatever reason and we're still grading your possessions and want you to see yourself and and get better from um you know and, and not make those same mistakes and then you just for whatever reason you 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 have guys that make you know the same mistakes and, and that's not so much frustrating but it's just like you know, but that same guy, you know, after he talked to his parents or whatnot, you got, you know, you got to talk to coach and kind of see what, uh, you know, what you need to be doing to, to do it. And, and they had the audacity to maybe in those, you know, exit meetings to ask you, what can I do to get more time? Boy, I've been telling you all year what you've been <laughs> needing to do to get more time. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You've been watching this film. You've been in these film sessions this, this whole time. What, what, what do you mean? You know, so I just think you, you had to call it bluff a little bit on that, you know, because it's just kind of, you know, uh, yeah. coach, coach meet and talk, but I got, I got to, I want him to tell me exactly. We've been telling you, and now it's just about going out and, and performing it and doing it under pressure because you understand what to do. I mean, if we watch it on tape and you know exactly how you're supposed to drop the timing of what you're supposed to do it now, can I do it in the heat of battle? So, I mean, I think those are the thing that the things that, um, you just want to get better at them and just what can you get them to do? We all, I mean, every coach has a scheme, has a, a things that they know that could work to, to maybe score the basketball or to get stops. And now can you get your team to actually do those things? And I think that's the, 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 the huge, the, the mystery of coaching. Uh, so that's primarily like for players. I want to talk now about like for the coaches that are listening, what have you done to improve yourself in the off seasons? It doesn't have to be this off season, but like what, what can maybe you do for yourself or what do you like to do, whether it's a book or studying somebody or something like that. And then also like, what do you, what do you do with your staff to improve your staff in regards to maybe evaluating the season or giving them something to work on uh, in either individually or as a group in the off season? Yeah, I think, man, over the course of the, of the year, we, we, got, we get better. I mean, it's course of these first two years that we've been 
being here at Vanderbilt, it's just, it's just different scenarios that, you know, whether it's, you know, say in the NBA, you know, if you leave the corner three, it's death, right? In, in college basketball, not so much. Like they just don't, they don't shoot it at the same clip. And so I think you, you make little subtle adjustments about how you, you know, defend different things in different games. I think that's the key to when you can really, you know, you know, teach your team to be able to make adjustments game by game. You know, I think those those are, are the key, whether we want to be back in our, you know, our drop coverage and our mid pick and rolls. But this is a team that, you know, we, you know, dynamic guard that we really want to corral the ball and make the big make plays. So you got to be able to do, do those things on the fly, whether we're, you know, we're gapping DHOs or we're warning them to, you know, just depending on, you know, who personnel. So I, I think those are some of the things that young players struggle with. Right. Again, they, mm-hmm. they get so adapt to the the base, you know, you got a foundation of how you want to do things um, yeah. most of the time, you know, if all things equal and, and this team gives us this particular alignment, this is what we want to do 90, 95% of the time. Right. But then there's just certain teams that do different things that where you got to adjust us. I mean, they got a shooter that we can't just ice the ball screen. We got to, we got to actually show and get back and know all those rotations. So, and I think being able to do that on the fly, um, you know, and, you know, maybe it's just okay. It was the one team that where they pass the ball and we really want to get in the gap, you know. And now it's a team that runs a lot of chin action to where they pass it. Now we got to get to his body and make sure we wore it over. Those are the, the little nuances of the game that you got to continue to to rehearse so the guys become natural. Um, they become more natural when you got to do those things on the fly. And I, I, th- I just think it's it's huge for building confident especially for like an nc tournament where you're going to have a team you don't necessarily know who you're going to play and you got a short window to prepare for them it's good when you can you know do those multiple coverages and have guys that really really understand it. biggest adjustment coaching the pros and then now coaching at the college level what have you what have you found or what's what's been the biggest change for you um they, they all want to learn man I mean, it's the same for whether it's a high school kid, it's a college kid, it's a pro kid. They all want to learn. There's no, you know, final products. I mean, I, I got better in in year 15 or something. You know what I'm saying? I was fortunate to play a long time, 18 years, but there was something that I focused on to get a little bit better at in, in, in that year. And I think, guys, as long as you're you're honest with them and, and, and really put that same, you know, energy to, into them getting better, that's the – that's that's what we try to focus on. That's good. Uh, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you maybe two things here. I don't know if you heard this. I was listening to the Dan Patrick show and he had Jawan Howard on. He mm. asked him about about playing other college coaches and he seemed to kind of like brush everybody off. But he, he like paused for a second and he kind of backed up in his mind. He said, I know Stackhouse is listening and he probably could give me some competition. <laughs> Are you a daily a daily or weekly pickup baller still? Oh, man, I get out there every chance I can, you know, saying like uh, I get out there. It's it's hard for me not to show it. That, that's one of the beauties of of that that I like the coaching that I can still get out there and show them. You know, what I'm saying not only am I telling you what to do, I can get out there and show you and I can get out that move. And depending on what day it is, if it's a, a Wednesday and it's a full moon, I might still go back up there and, <laughs> and, and do something special with that thing. But, you know, I think that they get a kick out of that. They get a kick out of uh you know, just being out there bumping with them and, you know, I, I mostly do shell, you know, shell and I'm on offense. So I don't really have to get on defense. So they, I, I make them guard me. But but no, we, we enjoy that. And again, that's the best way that you get to know your players when you actually go out there and field them 
and bump against them yourself. So, so we enjoy that. And I like to have that with my, my coaches, when you're talking about evaluating them, those are things. I mean, we, I love the fact that having guys on the court that can, can, can still grind and can bump with guys and can test them. And, and we've got that on our staff, but um, it's all fluid. You know, I feel like we have coaches, kind of our ancillary coaches, our, our player, you know, personnel development. It was fortunate this year with COVID, we were allowed to have a couple other coaches mm. on the court that could, could do some things. So that was, that was great because all these young guys, they want to coach. Right. So, it, so I think it's, have an opportunity for them to have scouts and, and do all those things. I want to make sure that we're um, including them in that and they're growing, you know, as young coaches. So, you know, as, as different people move on from assistant spots, maybe getting the head coach that you still have people within your, your program that can move up to have an understanding of, of, of how you go about things and, and what we want to get accomplished. Last thing I, I usually try to ask this of like veteran coaches slash players, but if you could go back and tell a young Jerry Stackhouse coach, Jerry Stackhouse, if you could give him one piece of advice, what would it be? Well, again, just, just, just be patient. I think that's, that's the thing for, for me. I, I don't expect any of these kids to, to get it right away. I expect, I expect you to get it over time. You know, and some kids le- learn differently, whether it's some do it visually, some do it by telling them some guys, you got to go out there and physically, you know, put them in different spots on the floor so they can feel it and see it that way. So I think that's, you know, that's our method of teaching, making sure that we hit all three components there. And um, so, I, but I, I know that again, you know, not everybody learns the same way. So be patient and, you know, and, and hopefully one of those three methods that you're, that you're using to try to teach that, that they'll be able to relate with and, and, and be able to grow with. And otherwise, uh, we got problems. <laughs> That's Coach Jerry Stackhouse, head men's basketball coach for the Vanderbilt Commodores. Coach, awesome stuff. Thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. I appreciate you having me, man. Keep doing your thing.